This is Richard Tencherry, and you're listening to the Wayne Hope Podcast. many of you know I am a huge fan of the network Bravo with Vanderpump Rules being one of my top shows to watch and rewatch. and as a gay man I am also a big fan of West Hollywood or WeHo in Los, Ange- uh, Los Angeles one of the most well-known queer areas in the country if not the world. I was introduced to today's guest by watching Vanderpump Rules and then I introduced myself to him at Lisa Vanderpump's West Hollywood pop-in restaurant Tom Tom where he is the manager I am welcoming actor, producer, humanitarian, and hard worker, Richardson Cherry. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for what a, what a, what, what a warm welcome. So enthusiastic. I love it. I'm doing amazing. Um, I'm on my day off and um, really just uh, thinking about, you know, heading to the gym and, you know, getting my day going. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, you know, I had to give you a warm welcome because uh, when I was at TomTom, Tom, you gave me such a warm welcome um, when I, whenever I went by. So, you know, got to give it like you get it, you know? That's right. I try to do that. I try to give as much as I can. You know, hopefully it all works out. I love that. So we were talking about the show and, you know, things going on in your life right now because you um, have started being the manager at TomTom. But I want to start at the the beginning. You got to start at the beginning to get where we're at. Can you tell me, um, uh, I'd love to know where you grew up and what your parents did for a living. You know, um, I was uh, born and raised, or I am born and raised, I was born and raised in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Um, my dad worked and he, uh, he ran a boulangerie, uh, which would be a, um, where you make a bread. So a ba- not a bakery, but a factory you make bread at. And my mom was a housewife. And um, we lived in the city. And uh, when all the, like, the murdering and the kidnapping and the coup d'etats were happening, my mom thought, you know, there, there's not really any future here, you know, for my kids. But she decided to come to America, you know, the basic immigrant family story. And um, they came here. They actually left me behind. I didn't get to join them until I was um, uh, 14 years old. So I didn't see my parents from like five to about 14. I saw my dad twice, I believe, from my recollection, at least as a child. And, um, you know, it was a really sad time in my life. So I have um, I've, I've dealt with a lot of that separation and um just, you know, not uh, equating to being enough. So I think that's where, like, a lot of my hard working comes from. And um, it's a good thing now that I'm in a healthy place with it, that it doesn't dominate me and I know how to work with it. Um, but, you know, these are the choices, you know, and the circumstances that we grow up with, that we must master them. And I think I try to do that in my everyday life. And from that, I moved to Miami. And um, in Miami, I realized, I mean, I was always into the arts, always into producing. My first thing I ever produced was... Uh, Cinderella, the musical. I saw it in French when I was young in Haiti, and I recreated it in my elementary school. Oh my God! So when I came, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so I, and I, I, I and I I wrote it from um, you know from scratch. I didn't even know that plays existed because I saw my cousins doing it, and I was a child. So I was like, well, if they can do it, why can I? I've always had this mentality to myself. You know, I feel like anything that is human, we can all create if we really just focus. And so I just did the play. And I'm thinking with now when I'm producing, but cut back to um, moving to Miami. Um, it was a great experience. I got to see my mom, my whole family. Uh, when I was in Haiti, they actually believed that they thought I, I had an eating disorder of sorts because I could not gain weight. But I think out of just loneliness of not seeing my parents, um, you know, that it affected my physical being. I'm that kind of person. And so I got to Miami. Everything was great. I got into the arts. Um, I went to a magnet school. I got accepted into a few um, colleges. I attempted going to Berkeley School of Music for one semester. I didn't really like Berkeley School of Music in Boston. I didn't really like um, Boston too much. It was too cold for me. I'm a Caribbean boy. Um, I ended up going back to Florida. I went to school there uh, in mid-Florida, Palatal, Florida, actually. Beautiful place. Um, and um, I eventually wanted to do more. And I'm like, I can do more. I should represent my people, myself more. And I was like, what's the biggest stage to do then? Uh, Los Angeles. And um, that's where I am. I came here. I went to school, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, studied. I did their conservatory program. And, um, and ever since then, I've been, you know, a working actor, working waiter. I started at Villa Blanca uh, before the show, before uh, Housewives, before Physical Brews. I was working for Gamalisa uh, while I was in school. I graduated school. I remained working for them. The show continued. I moved on to Pump. Uh, there, I also worked as a server, and I also managed. I was a lead server. I did everything, and anything Lisa ever wanted, you know, she knows. I mean, we have that kind of connection or that kind of um, communication with each other. Um, we were able to really understand each other very well. So, um, yeah, and so she always trusted me, and I went every restaurant from then she's old, and I guess I've gone to, and now I'm managing Tong and, um, you know, trying my best to do an amazing job. Or doing an amazing job. Well, you are doing you you are doing an amazing job uh, as I've recently witnessed, and I, I have to say, you basically just like summed up that is that was a great life summary, Richardson. I almost feel like why did I do any research? You know, what I mean? <laughs> just kidding. No, but um, I love that, and you know, uh, just to touch back a, a second, you know, take it back just a little bit. You know, you spoke about, um, you know, the the separation that you had from your family and, you know, that um, feeling that you had of uh, maybe not being enough and that translating into maybe a little lack of confidence in the beginning. When do you feel that you made that transition into using that into almost a strength of sorts? Um, I get to do it every day because it is not I believe being human is you become good at what you practice. So if I am, in a sense, know that I have something of separation that I have to deal with, I have to be vig vigilant around the word separation, the whole word separation, because therein lies my work that I have to do as a human being, as I live and breathe. That's part of the, that's part of the challenge for me, I think. You don't ever stop doing the work. Once you stop doing the work, that's when you stop creating value, because what what is a hindrance for you is really a benediction, I look at it as. So you do have to wield it properly and have a happy medium with it. And as long as you are aware of these emotions or circumstances or states that you deal with, 
I think you can uh, wield them correctly. I love that. And, you know, the the kind of acceptance that the the pursuit never ends and the pursuit of um, yourself and your journey and uh, perseverance never, never ends. I love that. Well, yeah. it's, all, it's almost like, you know, I want to say that that's what it's called to live your authentic self. It's not just to keep doing the same thing, but within the things that we already do to improve and create value within that makes us even more authentic. And that's what I, I try to reach for. And I think that in my age now and in my position now and where I am and how life is going and with, uh, I mean this in the most positive way, with the uh, closer reach to mortality, I get to see life differently. And I think that helps me grow. And within my work, I get to be bigger. I love that. And um, as I mentioned, I did get to see you in action. And I really um, did sense that it's almost like a, you know, because I used to work in, in the um, the restaurant industry as well. And uh, albeit at IHOP, um, I feel like it's the same kind of, you know, uh, warrior mentality kind of when you're in that, that sphere. And I really saw you, you know, being in charge very much like determined and I saw I noticed that from the show on Vanderpump Rules and that's one of the reasons you stuck out to me and so when I saw you with Tom Tom I was like well let me go say hello to Richardson who um I could just see not only um your determination and your um strive for life through those little moments on the show but um you know from Lisa's words about you and just kind of the way you carried yourself. I love that. So you started um, in the, well, ha, tell me about your transition to Hollywood. I know you moved, you know, from Haiti directly to Miami. Yes. And then from Miami to, to LA, how was how were your early years in Los Angeles? Oh my God, my early years in Los Angeles were brutal. So the thing about it is when you live in your own community and your own world and your own people, you don't know anybody else outside of that. And when you're introduced outside of that, you have to assimilate very quickly. I have to assimilate. Um, so I did not know about Rodney King, right? So to me, a young little Caribbean boy coming to freaking Los Angeles, and I am, I am full of wonder. I am the most, either I'm a fool or baby or something. <laughs> I always joke about that. No, but I, I really do love life. And I love the experience of being human, things that happens, right? So I'll go anywhere and I'll do anything. You know, mind you, I'm not crazy. I know how, uh, you know, the, the racial issues here in America were, uh, are or were. But um, I remember my first few years in L.A., um, I would get pulled over by the cops all the time, like all the freaking time. And it came to a point I had to call my sister because my sister lived in America longer than me, and I had to ask her, and she had to inform me of the whole Rodney King situation. And then when she told me, and I put that into perspective, then I realized, okay, all right, this is this is another battle that I have to fight, and this battle cannot, you know, dictate who I am. Um, so that was one of the experiences that I had. Um, the other experience that I had, honestly, is that Los Angeles is such a diverse place, and it's a place where you can truly be yourself. And, uh, you know, don't get eaten up by the city, of course, because, you know, there's so much fun and so much and so much stimuli that you could get eaten up. But I dare anyone that wants to live a full life and is willing to create value to come to Los Angeles. Please do, because I think this is a place where you can celebrate anything as far as culture, 
as far as religion, sexuality, and your, your willingness to dream. It's a, it's a land of dreams. I really do believe that. Um, and so that's what I found here, and that gave me hope a lot. Um, in Los Angeles, my first few years, I uh, became a Buddhist. That was the best thing I've ever done to my, uh, for my life, biggest SGI. Um, and, um, yeah, I think Los Angeles gave me freedom. Los Angeles, uh, you know, made me think outside of my own culture, my, what I thought was even classy or what I thought was, you know, not classy enough. It really showed me the hierarchies of life and how to manage that. And the most important thing that I think I learned from Los Angeles is what you have is gold. No matter what it looks like, how, we, how it feels, how it tastes, what you think, what you have, your own personal experiences, your own personal culture, yeah, that is gold and to hold on to that. The treasure is within yourself. Uh, I completely agree with that, sir. Remind me of your age, please. Oh, I'm 37 years old. I love that. And when did you move? How old are you when you moved to L.A.? Um, I moved to L.A. I, I wasn't even really... I was, a, I was 20 I was 20 oh wow yeah. I love that and so very formidable years to be to be going through everything um, in your as a human and then also um, at that time in the city I love that so and you know um all most working actors and producers and etc at some point are going to end up you know in the the food industry of la which is a, a step above um a lot of different places some would say but um you know it's a, almost like a, a rite of passage uh did you work at any other like interesting places before you moved over into the the lisa vanderpump world oh my god i mean i've always worked in a restaurant i worked at macaroni grill I worked at a Roadhouse Grill um, while I was in high school, so that was a really fun experience. But other than that, I honestly, I worked at um, the Palazzo on the third, third in Halter, West, East and West. I would teach a dance class there. I would teach aerobics class there. I would work the desk there. Yeah, I would help with the whole floor. I was, I've always been sort of, I guess, a leader, I guess, in this community, I think. Um, I mean, I, I did that job, and that job was really fun. I guess I, I had to, I got the opportunity to meet a lot of celebrities there because they would house them for Dancing with the Stars or any other show that they were doing. They would stay there. And um, I remember I met Gerard Butler before he did 300 because he was staying there. He was a really cool guy. Um, he did this, like, Indian healing uh, Buddhist uh, ritual for me. Like, it was really cool. Um, yeah, really great human. So many people that I've met there. It's just like, I've had such a great life in Los Angeles, honestly. I live in my best and most happiest life, and I try to, you know, work on that every day. And, um, yeah, those are the jobs that I've had. I mean, other than that, I mean, my nonprofit is really cool, you know, and I get to work on that with all my bestest and bestest friends, you know, from all over the world. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's what? my life. And right I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, yeah, and one one fan question was, um, and I know that you do do a lot of nonprofit work, but it was, uh, what was your favorite charity? So tell us something that's like on your your heart right now, and what's a what's a current goal or mission? Oh my God, this is always going to be in my heart forever and always. Project Elevate, my nonprofit. So after the earthquake in Haiti, my best friend, Lou Lewis, his dad, unfortunately, was assassinated because they thought there were people were, you know 
savage and wanting money and wanting food and stuff. And he owned a school and a church. He was a leader in the community. And usually in Haitian communities, that's where the money is. You know, that's where the money's at. And so unfortunately, he lost his life. And the school, you know, was struggling. And it was only his mom supporting the school. And uh, we we weren't in contact with him for, I think, at least like a week or two weeks. It was really, you know, because, I mean, I have family in Haiti, too, so... I was actually working at Villa Blanca, and I remember I tried going to work after the earthquake happened, and I just broke down. You know, and then they were like, first thing, you can't stay at work. Even now, to like talk about it, it's a very emotional thing, you know, to, to have lost so many people under such a circumstance, you know, nature-based, but it's so tragic, could have not happened the way that it did. So for a week and a half or so, we didn't hear from him, and we finally heard from him, he told us the story, you know, all of our hearts, you know, were, were broken. So we, we came together as friends, eight of us, and we're like, we need to elevate our lives, we need to elevate each other, we need to elevate our friend. And so we just, we were going to call it Project Elevate. And the goal was to go back to the school and to fix the restroom, the classroom, to just fix the whole school. And in doing that, we all said, you know, we really want to turn this into like the Harvard of Haiti. You know, and because for one child, it's like $300 for a whole year's worth of education, you know. And so we got together, we created this project and uh, in honor of his father, in, in honor of the church, in honor of the school, in honor of these kids that are really wanting to learn, just don't have the means. And we got together, we raised our first series, $30,000. Uh, Tom and Ariana from Fennecall uh, Grove was so helpful to us. Ken and Lisa were helpful. They, we did a whole thing on Wilshire Boulevard. I, I, I want to say it was at Buzzies. And we raised $30,000. That year, we took $36,000. You have to understand, that set up the school for at least uh, three years. We gave scholarships out. We redid all the restaurants for the schools. We bought uh, supplies for the kids. We redid the front of the schools. And we keep going back every other year. And honestly, between Ari, Tom and Ariana and I and Lou, we've raised about $40,000 uh, just with them, plus everything else that we've raised. And the whole point of us doing that is because that when you give money to a big corporation, they have to pay a lot of people and a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. With us, it's eight of us. We donate our time, energy, and we go do it ourselves. We take the money and we write and we, 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 we budget everything out where the money goes to, directly to the kids. And Haiti being like, you know, the biggest market for nonprofit, it's actually a business there. Highly recommend people if they're going to do anything for Haiti, do it yourselves or do it with someone that, that is actually doing something on the ground or anywhere in the world, honestly. My goal is to start with Project Elevate and Haiti turn this into the Harvard and Haiti and move to somewhere else like India or, you know, a synagogue or, you know, a place like, you know, Angola, you know, and just keep going around the world and kind of like through my actions, hopefully I can teach people how you, you know, could be self-empowered and how to move about life. All you need is a tiny little push. Well, that is beautiful, Richardson. I am uh, very sorry to hear about your friend, but you and your, your comrades are definitely honoring him. And um, tell people where they can learn more about Project Elevate. Um, you can find it on my Instagram page. It's um, www.projectelevate, E-L as in love, B as in Victor, and then the number 8.com. All right, everyone. We will. I love that. And we will make sure to put that in the um 
podcast description so everyone can go check it out. One of the goals of the Wayne Holtz podcast is to connect people that are doing good all around the world and helping to motivate others. And Richardson Cherry is one of those people. We will be right back with Richardson. Um, he just mentioned um, working with Tom and Ariana and Lisa Vanderpump um, on some of his efforts. And I just want to get into a little bit more of that. So we'll be right back on the Wayne Holtz podcast. You never know who'll show up to the Wayne Holtz podcast. Really happy to be here on your podcast. Thank you. Rock goddess Nina Diaz. You know, first of all, it begins with having the passion, having the passion for the music. TV host, author. And a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Don't forget that. Of course, Ross. And celebrity big brother contestant, Ross Matthews. When you reached out to me and asked if I'd be on your podcast, it was a no-brainer. I love people who create and contribute, and that is you. It is so nice to talk to you. Cool conversations with people we want to know more about. Hey, guys, this is Chris Booker, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. This is J.D. Sampson, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. This is Perez Hilton, and you are listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. Listen to the Wayne Holtz Podcast free now on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and at thewayneholtz.com. Yes, we are back on the Wayne Holtz Podcast with Richardson Cherry, um, who was just telling us about his work with his nonprofit, Project Elevate, um, who he's gotten some help from with uh, Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox from Vanderpump Rules, and of course the queen herself, Lisa Vanderpump. I know Lisa is a very um, charitable person. How has it been working with her over the years and just seeing the kind of philanthropy that she does? And does it, um, you know, help you, you know, I feel like you already have self-motivation already, Richardson, but what's it around to be like a, a really super philanthropist like Lisa? Okay. Um, just a quick little uh, disclaimer. Just like everyone in the cast did help with raising money for Project Elevate. But Tom and Ariana were like the people really pushing for it, as they've always been. Um, but as to your question, working for Lisa, what, you know, <laughs> you, don't, you don't know the things you don't know until you realize you don't know them, i.e. the different personalities that I I get the opportunity to be introduced to through Lisa and how they work and how I have to interpret it in a way for me that it creates value through how I move about in life, you know? And um, I would have to say it's always good to get Lisa's perspective on things. Like when something goes wrong at work or something, I get really upset about it. Sometimes I do actually go to her and I, I ask her, like, Yo, do you know that this happened and this happened? Oh, by the way, I do say that to Lisa. I'm like, yo. If <laughs> she looks at me, I'm like, hey. Um, but no, she she really does. She listens. And then, you know, she gives her a perspective. And her perspective usually is like, as long as you're kind and you're creating value, just, you know, keep going. Like, you know, people will, people are in their different stages of life. You don't know where they're at. You can't be worried about, you know, what they're going to do because I, I do have a tendency of doing that and it's just it's good sometimes to just not worry if you're creating value there's nothing to worry about you know opinions will be there you know actions speak louder than words you know and people will have a lot of things to say so people have a lot of things to say let them say it 
I love that. And, you know, she's a very perceptive person and definitely knows how to to handle people and uh, move on with her life in the kind of trajectory that is uh, her life is her own and she's got her own goals. And I, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, you tell you, though, tell me, I can't I, I cannot do what she does. I'm going to tell you that a lot of people for me sometimes it just I'm like, this is too much. And I don't know. I don't know how she does it. The pulling, the grabbing people. I, I could not do it. I could not. Dude, it would drive me insane. So kudos for her on that. That's what I have to say. Uh, we we definitely bow down. And you know, you are you know you're gonna be a little bit more in the heart of it because the Vanderbump Rules it has started filming for its ninth season, and you are the manager of Tom Tom, owned by Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz, and that's kind of part of the epicenter of the show. So I feel like you're c- gonna be a little bit more in the the tornado, yeah. Oh, yes, this time around, yes. I mean, you know, oh, yes, I can't. Tune in. That's all I can say. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I honestly, I can't wait to see. And you know, it was uh, my first weekend at Tom Tom. It's beautiful. I also went over to Pump, where you used to be the manager, and um, I, which is a great establishment uh, for people that don't know Pump and uh, Tom Tom and Lisa's other restaurants, sir, are right on and right off of uh, Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood, right next to the Abbey, the iconic Abbey. Um, so you were manager at uh, Pump for, for a long time. How is it working there? And I feel like Pump was the restaurant where, you know, a lot of the tourists and fans of the show go to Tom Tom and Sir to get their show experience. But I feel like, you know, Pump was a great, is a great place to for some of the more well-known fans to go and and hide away. How was it working there in that little corner section? Um, it was a great learning experience, man. All I can say is, once again, you don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it. Working at Pump, I learned a lot about myself, who I am, my growth as a human, how people treat me, and how I want to treat people, you know, in likeness. Um, it was a fun place to work, man. Like, working for Ken and Lisa is a lot of fun to be had, you know? But I can't, I mean, I'm sort of a special case, I guess, because, you know, Lisa really likes me. And, you know, not just that, it's just, I mean, I, I if I were to come in to Pump, I think, as like a new person, I would say I'd be intimidated. You have all these trees, all these things, all this, this, all of, it's, it's a lot. I was never, I never had to experience that, so I'm, I'm really lucky by that because I've, you know, I've been with this family for a while. But it, I think it's a very fun place to work for sure. It's a place, definitely a good brunch at Pump is like, you know, the thing for those pictures are the best. <laughs> um, I'm trying to, Pump has always been the funnest place. You know, we've rented out to do like an Indian wedding, I remember once, and it was magnificent. I've never seen jewelry like that. So I get to see all these really fancy things from different cultures and different places around the world at Pump. So it's, it's, it's almost like a magic garden, <laughs> you know, the things always happening. I think once I saw like a little rabbit there, you know? Stop. Stop. Not a rabbit. <laughs> It was, it was a guest who brought it in. <laughs> of course, of course. Yes. 
of, of the and I'm sure and there have been so many interesting guests now have you happened to have been there am, am I correct in saying does it hasn't Lady Gaga popped in there once or twice oh yeah more than once or twice she's been there a few times yeah such a lovely person and actually Lady Gaga was one of those people that I met at the Palazzo while I was working and then I run into her again at uh, Pump while I'm working there so it was really cool um, yeah, I, uh, when I used to work at the Palazzo, before, like, Poker Face, all these things came out, we used to watch it on her laptop with her by the pool and stuff, and I remember how brilliant she was back then, and then she blew up, it's amazing to see where she is now, you know, it's just great to see when people, you know, put in the work where they end up, you know, and, you know, meeting her at Pump, again, she was just as lovely, just as nice, and then she goes, oh my god, yes, I remember you, oh my god, I remember all these people, oh, wow, are they, what happened? And she was like, yeah, I kept in touch with some of them, but you know, over the years, oh my God, it's so good to see you. She was the nicest person. It was really cool, you know? So those are the experiences I get to have. That's why I'm like, I have to have a pretty cool life. You've, you, you've led a very interesting life. Again, everyone, we're talking with Richardson Cherry. This palazzo sounds like quite the place. And, you know, Dancing with the Stars is one of my favorite uh, shows of all time. And uh, so it's pretty cool that you were uh, around that atmosphere. And you've got quite the moves yourself, sir. everyone make sure to be checking out richardson on instagram um the links will be in the the episode description but he's got the moves he's got the etc etc um i mean i I look at my life like this i say it's uh, it's haiti african dance acting buddhism and then i guess everything else i mean listen that's a thing i post about that is the great that is the great way to sum it up. I mean, honestly, Richardson, I have to say this has been one of the easiest episodes um I've I've done in a while. Uh and such an honor to to have you on and I really thank you for your hospitality while I was there. Um I guess before we go I am going to just name a few of your Vanderpump you know, cohorts, and you just give me a word, the first word that pops in your head when you describe them, or a memory, or a thought, or et cetera, et cetera, okay? Okay. Okay. Let's start with Ariana Maddox. Ooh, that's my baby boo bear. I love it. She seems like a, a really kind and uh, s- strong person. This girl... This girl is so real, okay? I'm going to tell you this. Don't mess with art. I'm telling you, do not mess with art. That girl is real. She has not changed. Real. I know these people before they did all of this. Ariana, she, she won't play with you. She'll tell you the truth. I love that. And to our, our next, Katie Maloney, Schwartz. Wife. Hmm. I love that. Dedicated. Um, let's move on to Stasi. I love that passion. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm I'm here for that. Let's throw a random in there, Jax. Jax, um, Jax is like a he's like dynamite. You know what I'm saying? I can see that. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely not carrying any matches around him. Okay, that's 
for sure. But listen, I could take I could take a few hits from Dynamite. Like, uh, <laughs> Jackson and I, Jack, Jack and I are like I'm very cool with all these people. Do you know what I mean? But he's like Dynamite. You don't know what to expect. That you better be ready. I love that. Okay, just a few more. So your fellow um, manager alum, Peter Montregal. Like he's like a, a, a sommelier. That's what he is to me. Oh, I love that. Okay, okay. What and then um, lastly, the two Toms, uh, Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz. Sandoval is Elvis. Schwartz is homeboy. That's the homeboy. He's the homeboy. Wow, really sums it up. And um, I just appreciate your time, Richardson. Pre- Wait, and James Kennedy. Oh, James I wasn't going to ask. He's the little brother. He is the little brother. You, got, you cannot not, not love that kid, okay? You just have to. I have s- such a soft spot for James, to be honest. To be very honest. He'll make you love him. He will make you love him. Good luck. He will make you love him. He is the little brother. I love to hear that. Oh my gosh. Well, to see the development of that relationship and to see what's coming up next um, for Richardson um, in a small part of his world, make sure you are checking out Vanderpump Rules, which is filming right now, but you know, all the episodes are up. Go watch it. Go binge. Get ready for next season where I know we're going to be seeing more of Richardson and Tom Tom and go visit him in person because the restaurant Tom Tom is beautiful. The food is the bomb. Okay, girl. And um, it's June 15th, I believe it's today. So LA is a lot more open than it was. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Come oh. to Tom Tom, y'all. Come to Tom Tom to have a good time, send your money, hang out, listen to good music. We say the best music, we have the best food and drink, craft cocktails. Don't get that coconut, that, that nut, nut taste. <laughs> well, everyone knows I love a nut taste, okay? So, again, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Wayne Holds Podcast. Thank you, Richardson, for being here. Everyone, make sure to check out uh, Richardson on Instagram. at What's your Instagram, Richardson? It's uh, Richardson underscore Cherry, C-H-E-R-Y. My full name. Richardson, Richardson underscore Cherry for everything that he is up to. Make sure you're following the Wayne Holtz podcast on Instagram and subscribing on iTunes, following on Spotify, and telling everybody about it, Bish. We got a lot of good guests coming up. Talk to you soon. This episode was produced and engineered by Dominic K. Trevino. When it comes to looks and smarts, I'll give you five out of five kisses. Every time I hear you mock, I wish that I can be your missus. Let me rise to the occasion, I'll photo you at the radio station. In my headphones, your voice will be playing, and I won't be limited to just one minute.